we all know and love him. Our host, Dominic Carter, has moderated debates with Hillary Clinton, billionaire Michael Bloomberg, and even interviewed Nelson Mandela. Here is our host, political commentator, Dominic Carter. And hello, everyone. The vice presidential debate is scheduled for October 7th at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. In light of the coronavirus, does Joe Biden continue to run what amounts to be a Rose Garden strategy? Let's go. The old adage, you don't, you know, you don't get in the way of your enemy committing suicide. And that's right. I mean, Trump was just murdering himself at those briefings. He causes you know, lots of controversy. He's also very good at tying you up. If you put some fodder out into the field, Trump's very good at blowing it up and making it controversial. So I think that I think that the Democrats have been wise to keep him in that basement. And I keep him there as long as he can do in, and, and to avoid live interviews. I mean, go out and put video so it looks like he's being like he's engaging the public and engaging the press. But don't go live with Dominic Carter. I mean, don't don't do it. You know what I mean? Because he's going to he's going to Joe Biden on you, you know, <laughs> you know. That's Republican political consultant Bill O'Reilly, also an op-ed writer for Newsday, the newspaper. Now, Bill, he joins us now, and your family name is famous in American politics. Explain why. Well, not the O'Reilly name. <laughs> that, that, that one's pretty neutral. But, um, but I guess the, the uh, my full name is, is William Frank Buckley O'Reilly. So the, the, the Buckley side, the Buckley family obviously has been in, involved in conservative politics for for many many years and um i've had various aunts and uncles that that uh that made a significant difference in politics you know over the years your uncle was a, a major conservative yeah bill buckley who founded national review and then jim buckley was was u.s senator um from new york and a, and a federal judge and some other things and then priscilla buckley was an editor at national review and and it's a, it's it's a it's very lucky to come from an illustrious family but the one thing that I prove is that even the best genes fade in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> is it a is it a lot of pressure when when you come from a family like that? Federal judges, uh, major major players in politics. Is that a lot of pressure? It is, when I first started in in politics, I made sure to to hide that, and I didn't let anyone know for a number of years. Wow! And um, because because of the pressure, I mean, I could I could say, oh, I didn't want to, you know use family, you know, name and drop it here and there. But I think it was because I was afraid I might end up on page six, you know, in a you know, bar brawl and, and uh, em embarrass everybody. But um, a, a little bit, but at some point you come into your own. I mean, I'm, I'm now 57 and I know what I am and what I'm not. And, um, and you become comfortable with that. So, I, you know, I never try to, um, you know, to be anyone other than who I am. And, um, and so I, you know, I can say I'm, I'm, I'm definitely no Bill Buckley. I'm not, I can't even claim to be Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> the television, the television, television host, host. That's right. <laughs> Do you get a lot of folks uh, saying Bill O'Reilly oh, TV? Oh and boy. So on? Unbelievable. I used to, when I lived in Manhattan, I would get his, uh, besides the phone calls, I get his dry cleaning, his mail. And my, in, wow. in, in fact, my, my answering machine was, um, was the number for his producer. Cause I got so many calls. I got, you know, a couple hundred calls a week. Wow. And a lot, a lot of drunken calls at three in the morning. <laughs> Mr. O'Reilly, you're the greatest, you know. <laughs> is it, is it, let's get down to business. Is it fair to say that you have been a consistent conservative critic of President Trump? And if so, why? Yes, I, I have been, um, you know, since, since he first announced in 2015. I mean, really, because I'm a New Yorker and I'm aware of the way he operates and how he does business and and doesn't pay bills. And to me, there was always a lack of honor there. And 
You know, when I saw that that uh, Republican presidential field, the primary field in 16, it was really an all-star cast. They had 16 or 17, and they had some damn good candidates in that in that um, in that race. And but you know, Trump is the you know one of these things is not like the other. And you know, he stood out right away. I think he he lit it up in the press. He knows how to do that. I mean, that's his genius is is to he knows how to gain attention. And I think the 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 standard you know Republicans in that race had no idea what to do with him. And he definitely, you know, tapped into into that vein. But yeah, I was I was not a supporter from the beginning. You know, I I, I asked myself a million times, you know, why I've been so um, stridently opposed to, to Trump. And I, you know, the honor thing comes up in the rest of it. But from a selfish reason, he ruins he's ruined the party's chances in places like where I work. And he takes legitimate issues and he makes them almost un, unable to be sold. He takes the worst part of an issue and he blows it and he um, and he, um, you know, he makes he makes immigration uh, reform or immigration like logical things. He makes them so negative and toxic that you, you can't promote them without sounding like a jerk. And um, so, you know, that's that's part of it, too. But I'm, I'm not a supporter. I'm not um, I'm not a Democrat. You know, I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I voted for Evan McMullen in, in 2016 and I'll probably write in my daughter's name or something in um yeah, you know, this year I just, I just, I'm stuck in between, and it's unfortunate. So you're not going to vote for President Trump? No. The first rule of being a vice presidential pick is do no harm. What do you make of the Democratic ticket? Yeah, I, I think she was really a perfect choice. I, I was, um, I, I had to do a, a prediction contest, and I went with Val Demings the whole way through. But the reason I did, uh, I went with Val Demings, and 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 Kamala Harris was was my second one was because they both had a law enforcement background. And I thought that was really smart of Biden. And I don't know whether this was the thinking, but I can, I can presume it. It's because Kamala Harris has a law enforcement background, you're going to get that blowback from the left. And that's exactly what moderate voters need to hear. That's what non-Trump Republicans need to hear and center-right uh, independents. They need to hear the left being unsatisfied with the pick. And they got that enough. It wasn't that much of a blowback, but it was enough where... Some, you know, on the far left, you know, grumbled about her, her um, law enforcement background. But what about the AOC crowd, the AOCs of the world, they the got far no place, left? They got no place to go. I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to go with Kanye. They're not going to go third party. Can, can you believe we actually have to mention Kanye West? And you have to mention it because if he siphons off a couple of percentage of the black vote, of the African-American vote, it could reelect President Trump. Yeah, and it was so obvious what they were doing from the beginning. And that's, you know, that's the kind of, that's really not proper politics. That's, that's not fair game. That's not how it works. And I've been involved in dozens of campaigns where, where someone in the back of a room comes up with the idea, let's get Steve to run, you know, let's get somebody else out there to do it. But you don't actually go through that. But yeah, it is unbelievable that you have to, um, you have to factor in Kanye. Um, but, but you do to some extent, because if they get them on, you know, the ballot in three or four places, you know, that could be the case, but for Kamala Harris, she's, you know, I think people got it right. I forgot who wrote it first, but she was both groundbreaking and the safest pick out there. History making history making. She covers every box. She's got a little bit of everything. She's got law enforcement. She's a grown up. She's, you know, she's, she's been an executive as an attorney general. She's, um, She's she's black, but also Asian. She's she covers a lot of boxes. Okay, so here's what we know. Uh, Biden, in terms of his victory and the nomination, uh, black women were key to that. 
and they also a pillar, if you will, of the Democratic vote in terms of uh, turning out what Democrats need, right? So does Senator Harris, at the end of the day, does she ignite the base that Biden must have to turn out and win? I think she definitely helps it. And it's interesting. I mean, that's been that's been a constituency that's been growing over the years. I mean, 20 years ago was always African-Americans were the were the least registered, the least likely to turn out. And a lot of troops on the ground and a lot of campaign plans have completely changed that where you saw black women in particular in the Doug Jones race were really made the difference in that race in Alabama. That's right. And then you see it in Georgia as well. And and to the point where the most reliable voters in America are black women. And so, yeah, I think um, if there was any any waning passion for 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 Biden among African-American women, I think uh, Kamala Harris definitely shores that up, which is just one, one of those reasons. If you look at all those little boxes again, she checks them all it was a really smart pick. And also, you know, imagine poor Mike Pence has to go go on to into a debate with her. You know, I mean, she's she's the prosecutor you do not want. You know, she comes in on the heels and it's like, uh oh, you know, no low contender. It's time to plead. And so yeah. places where the Democrats need the vote to turn out Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina and elsewhere, of course. President Trump, for his part, has called Senator Harris, quote, mean, nasty and disrespectful. A video put out by the Trump campaign labels her phony. Does that help Trump or hurt Trump? I don't think it helps Trump, but I'm not sure it hurts him any more anymore so either because it's kind of factored in. I mean, everyone knows how Trump rolls, and that's how he does it. He's very good at at, um, at the monikers. He's got one for everybody. He hasn't quite, you know, the Sleepy Joe. I'm not sure if that's the right one. I'm not sure he's he, the, the phony Kamala. But it's effective. Maybe it's effective. It works. I mean, it works in politics. He's good at he's good at at tactics. He's a tactical politician. He's not strategic, but he's tactical. But he's but he never stops. So he's you know, sometimes you can go without a strategy when you're just you're just, you know, bullying ahead forward. I don't think it, I think it's a push, to be honest with you. Political consultant Bill O'Reilly, you mentioned the vice president has to debate Senator Harris October 7th in Salt Lake City. What will that debate look like? And you know where I'm going with this. Buffalo, New York, uh, a few years ago, when Hillary Clinton went up there to debate Rick Lazio, and he said, sign this, sign this. And that was the end of his campaign. It's, I think it, it's not going to be a free-for-all, is my, is my guess. It's going to be a very measured debate. And the reason that I say that is that both Vice President Pence and Senator Kamala Harris are preparers. She's a prosecutor. She does her homework. You could see when she took on Joe Biden, I, I think her blood pressure probably went down as she was attacking him. Like she's, you do not want, like I said before, you do not want her to draw her as the attorney against you. She's very well prepared. At the same time, Pence is very measured as well. He's incredibly respectful of, of women, which may tie him up a little bit. I mean, to the point where he famously won't go out with a woman one-on-one. And it's um, and I can respect that. That's you know, with between you know, that's his 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 values. Um, but I, I think she's going to be she's going to come after him, and I think it would be very difficult for him to find the right way to defend himself and to attack back, um, because he is so respectful. Um, it's going to be an inter- interesting debate. I think going into the debate, the expectations though are so high for her 
that he may he may do better than expectations. What's the game of expectations as it relates to this debate coming up? Yeah, I think I think the you know the 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 internet, the Twitter sphere, or the you know the Instagram sphere is all predicting that Kamala Harris is going to wipe the field with him. And um, I think if she doesn't do that, there'll be some victory for for him there. Okay, so Biden's choice for number two, does that show that he's willing to listen to those who disagree with him or those that have attacked him? We all know how Senator Harris during during the primary went after him strongly. So does the pick give Biden some credit or not really? Yeah, I think it, I think it does. And, and and I think Biden is very good at sensing where the where his party is. And Biden always seems to be at the middle of his party. And so I think he shifted to where he needs to be. He understands that the so much of the enthusiasm coming out of the Democratic Party is from is from black and Latino voters. It's from female voters. And I think it was it was a it was a very logical and strategic pick. Biden is a really nice guy. And even even, um, you know, Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, a Republican, a conservative Republican, I think called, called Biden the nicest guy in the Senate. You know, it was the nicest one out there. He's not going to hold that grudge. And I think that does that does probably, you know, bode well for him. I think people appreciate that because she really did take his head off. And um, but he's willing to, you know, be a big boy and, and put it down. I think it was it was a very smart choice. In terms of Hillary Clinton, uh, I think that we can agree one of the reasons that she lost is she ran a, a Rose Garden strategy, even though she wasn't the incumbent and she played it. Uh, too too safe is and it seems like Biden in this day of coronavirus is playing it safe trying to run out the clock one do you agree with that and is there a tremendous risk with that I, I totally agree with that strategy and I think that's I don't know whether at some point he'll need to pivot and he seems to be doing that you know that now with um with Senator Harris coming on board but I've totally agree with that strategy. It's the old adage, you don't, you know, you don't get in the way of your enemy committing suicide. And that's right. I mean, Trump was just murdering himself at those briefings. He causes you know, lots of controversy. He's also very good at tying you up. If you put some fodder out into the field, Trump's very good at blowing it up and making it controversial. So I think that I think that the Democrats have been wise to keep him in that basement. And I keep him there as long as he can do in, and, and to avoid live interviews. I mean, go out and put video so it looks like he's being like he's engaging the public and engaging the press. But don't go live with Dominic Carter. I mean, don't don't do it. You know what I mean? Because he's going to he's going to Joe Biden on you. You know, <laughs> you know? I mean, I think you'll see a lot more of her than him. But he, he is. It seems like he's going out there a little bit more trying to address that that conversation. You know, that concern there. By the way, speaking of the Clintons, Bill Clinton shouldn't be within a thousand miles of that convention. And um, if he goes strolling in there with Hillary, it, you know, that's just that's just stupid. That's dumb. You know, with Epstein out there and the rest of it. I mean, it's, I, you know, that's I'm not a Democrat, but I'm not looking to give advice, but I wouldn't let him anywhere near there. How would you assess the campaign, the presidential campaign thus far? I think it's Biden's to lose. I, mean, I think it is at this point. And I think that the thing as a, as a as a strategist the thing that that drives me crazy, and I'm and as you know, I'm not a Trump supporter, but Trump had a had a huge opportunity with this crisis to grow his popularity, and I know that sounds crass, but in, crises are opportunities for politicians. And you look at what 
Governor Cuomo did and what his numbers are. And he really screwed up on the nursing home thing, potentially. And right. You're talking about the coronavirus. I'm talking right about now. the coronavirus. Okay. But he took it. He took, an, he took charge of it. He said, I've got this. And the people responded. You know, th- there were a lot of problems with what he did. And there were a lot, a, lot of, a lot of seniors died potentially because of mistakes that the administration made. But he said, I've got this. And Trump never did that. Trump has ignored the coronavirus, largely ignored it to his complete peril. I think he's right to be doing the culture wars and to, and to do the, you know, the, the crime and law, law and order. That's absolutely a winner for a Republican. But until he deals with the, you know, until he deals with Corona, you know, the, you know, it was, it's the economy dummy or the economy stupid was the, was the, the raging Cajun thing in 92. And now it's just, it's the, it's Corona dummy. You know what I mean? Unless you address Corona, because that, you know, if kids have to come home from school and parents can't go to work and, and you still look like you don't get it and you don't really care that much and you're dreaming that it's going to go away, I don't think you can win an election. I think yes on the crime things, yes on the economic talk, but without, without looking like he pivots on Corona, I think it's, this is Biden's election to lose at this point. Political consultant Bill O'Reilly, we're talking to, how has the coronavirus changed politics? It's, uh, you know, it's sad because it, it seemed like there was a truce for about 10 minutes. And where everybody was kind of, you know, freaking out together a little bit, especially in the, in the Northeast where, where it where it first launched. But it's um it's now um it's now driven the divisions even deeper. You know, stupid you know uh, fights over masks and the and the rest of it are out there. But I but again, I'm just going to go back. I think the Republican Party. I'm not blaming all Republicans, but from the leadership, made a major error in trying to push things back too fast. They went for the, you know, for the libertarian, we're free, we've got to be out there, we've got to open everything. And I get that instinct, but there is something called the social contract. It goes back all, you know, goes back to Aristotle. It's been around forever that, you you know, you know, just because you have a driver's license, you can't drive 150 miles an hour. There's some things you have to do to protect yourself and, and, and everybody else. And this is one of them. And I think Republicans have pivoted and I think Trump is pivoting, but, um, I think it's become a, uh, it's it's certainly a liability for the party, and and um, I hope it addresses it because I'm really worried that the Senate goes down too, and and the House, and then you have um you know you have the Democrats controlling all three, and if the filibuster gets dumped, which President Obama is now advocate at former President Obama is advocating, that gets really dangerous for conservatives. We go whoa whoa whoa, that's a whole different story. It's a whole lot of power. It's a whole lot of power. If you go from you know sixty vote cloture, which is when they can cut the vote off, to to pure fifty vote in the Senate and the House, I, you know Joe Biden's a nice guy. I don't see him standing up to to the bills that could be coming through at him, and you could be talking about trillion dollar new programs. Not that Republicans have been so great with the with the fiscal books lately, but you could be seeing a very different America if that filibuster goes. And I don't think that Biden has the backbone to to veto things. Bill, we're almost out of time here. Let me switch gears. Black Lives Matter, protests throughout the world, police brutality. What do you make of all this? I make, if you do small B, small L, small M, and you can even do a capital B, sure, Black Lives Matter. I'm in total agreement. I understand why why people push back against the all all lives matter even. And I was explaining this to my youngest daughter. You know, you have... For years, you've had, you'll have a shooting in Harlem, and it's like two seconds on the news if it even makes it, or a young girl gets killed. It's nothing. Young girl gets killed in the Upper East Side. It's ten days of news. I mean, let's all be honest. That's been going on for a long, long time. So I get it. Black Lives Matter for the organization to me is a dangerous Marxist 
organization that is trying to hijack legitimate sympathies of Americans to get power. And they've gotten a lot of money sent to them by people who don't know what they represent. So I'm not a supporter of capital B, capital L, capital M, Black Lives Matter, but you know, as a, as a sentiment, sure, but not the organization. Okay, is p- police brutality a problem? Sure. Yes or no in Europe? Sure, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely see it, and, and, and video cameras have brought it to light, I think, for a lot of white people, frankly. And it's like, because you know we live our lives without seeing the looks or getting the, the pulled over, so a lot of whites don't see it. Um, I think video has opened up a lot of people's eyes. There are some, and I've talked to cops all the time, and a lot of, and cops will tell you there are people who should not be cops that are on the force. And that's got to be dealt with. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. But I do say, and I'm not, I'm not equivocating here, the majority of police officers are, go- are good. And they do things that are, that are instrumental. And we need them in the streets. And they'll lay down their life for you at times. But, but the training, the rest of it, all has to happen, absolutely. And bad cops have to go. Well, I, I agree with what you said about the overwhelming majority of the police force. They want to protect people. They're out there to do good. They go to work each and every day to make life better for you, I, and everybody listening. So I want to go full house here, a full circle, I should say. You do believe that the Senate majority is in play and the Democrats may take the Senate? Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think. I mean, if I had to handicap it today, I'd say it'd be a 50-50 and then with with Vice President Harris, should that come to pass, being the deciding vote? Well, and McConnell, the majority leader, says that uh, that it will is that he believes they're going. He's optimistic and believes that they're going to be able to hang on, but is warning that it's going to be tough. Yeah, so you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. And I spoke with somebody yesterday who's been in touch with Senate people in Washington, and and she said that their polling is optimistic for Republicans that they. They think that they can hang on, that, that Collins is closing, that, that a few of the races are, are, are tightening up. Um, it, I think a lot of it depends on what happens when kids go back to school, frankly. And I think, you know, to me, this is a COVID election because when people feel, uh, you know, when, they, when they're worried from their, about their health and their security, nothing else matters. I, I want to close this way. When the president tweets uh, that's aimed to suburban housewives that, they don't have to worry about low-income housing coming into the neighborhood that would invade their neighborhood. What do you make of that type of tweet? Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's an exact example of why I said in the beginning that I don't support President Trump because there's a legitimate issue there, but he completely mangled it. The issue is that zoning doesn't affect who can move into a neighborhood. It's what can be there. So it's not, you know, zoning by itself is not discriminatory. Um, what he made it sound like was we're going to get rid of public housing or public housing is coming in. We're moving the ghetto into Scarsdale, you know, that kind of stuff. That's the dog whistle stuff. That is dog whistle stuff. And it's wrong. What, what I see as a conservative is that, is that quarter acre zoning, which HUD went after is the dream of everybody. It's the dream of every African American and every Irish family and every Greek family. All Americans want that. And if you have a, a, a neighborhood or real estate agent that is steering African-Americans away from one community, lock them up, lock them up and beat them in the back of the head while you're at it. As far as I'm concerned, you know, it's got to be the same rules for everybody in the same zoning rules. But when Trump goes out there, he makes it sound racist. And that's not what it is. That's not what that position should be. Republican political consultant Bill O'Reilly, thank you so much for the appearance. Thank you, Donald. Great, great to see you, and, and thanks so much for having me on. And Great I show. appreciate you, and we appreciate your work. 
And to those of you listening, thank you as well. We look forward to your feedback. Join us next time for Conversations with Dominic Carter. Reach out to Dominic on Twitter at Dominic TV Radio. Dominic looks forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us.